welcome everyone to the Study Abroad cast. I've got a very special treat today with Dr. Hannah Marie Morris of hannahmariemorris.com. Hannah, or Dr. Morris, welcome to the Study Abroad cast. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. No, thanks for being here. So Dr. Morris has uh, extensive international experience. She probably embodies what Study Abroad is in terms of the people I've found. And I am going to turn it over to her because as far as this interview goes, uh, more of her and less of me is probably better. She's got a lot more experience probably than most. So Dr. Morris, again, thank you for being here. And by the way, if you want to learn more about here, and I'll talk about this at the end of the interview, but you can go to her website, hannahmariemorris.com to learn more about her and what she does. So Dr. Morris, could you maybe start by telling us a little, little bit about your background and how you got into study abroad? Yes, of course. So I was the child of a third culture kid and my mother loved to travel. So I was raised with these amazing stories about living in the Philippines and living in Germany. And I lived on military bases in the continental United States. So I always wanted to go out and see more. Uh, not that we don't have a beautiful country, but that I wanted to see something that was different and have different languages. And so when I was in high school, I signed my family up to um, host exchange students. And then I was able to be an exchange student myself to Cognac, France while I was in high school. Um, and I actually helped plan that trip. There were nine of us together that um, just made our own thing. We pitched it to our parents and they said, sure, go buy flights to France. So since then, I just love to study abroad. I got involved with our exchange student organization and university right away. Through that, we hosted students and kind of did everything that was non-academic for them. So obviously, the International Center would help, you know, do the F1 visas, but we helped them with everything from housing to understanding American culture. We took them to all the football games and the fun parties and just let them understand what it was like to be a student. So I studied abroad then in Rouen, France and then Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And by then, if you can't tell, I was hooked. And so for the past decade, I have been focused on making sure that we open more pathways to more places in the world, to more types of students, supporting students of all walks of life, all interests, just to make sure that we continue this cross-cultural engagement and education. Yeah, you you mentioned you're really lucky to you mentioned the word hooked and you're really lucky, especially so earlier in your career to find something or even when you were in school to find something that you were so passionate about. And I guess the feather in your cap is that it gets to travel. I heard I think it was Trevor Noah. I was listening to him and he said the you you can't waste your money on travel. You can waste your money on a lot of things, but travel is one thing you can't. So you're kind of you've kind of got the best of both worlds going, huh? That's a funny that's a funny thing to say because we just were booking flights next month to Addis Ababa, which I assumed would be very cheap from Sudan, and it's not. And I literally said that last night where I was like, well, are we really wasting money? This is going to be a great experience anyhow. Uh, but So it's funny that you said that. Right. So talk I mean, to, to talk a little bit more about – so you've had, you had all this experience, especially in school, and you started in high school, and you – it followed through to college. And like we said, you've kind of morphed it. Well, not kind of, you've morphed it into a career and talk maybe a little more about Morris.com and your consultancy and what you're kind of working on now. 
Of course. So I started a nonprofit called Intercultural Transitions with um, a colleague and a great friend of mine, Megan Norton. And she herself was a third culture kid. I want to say she's probably lived in 10 countries at this point, but it's really hard to keep track with her. So I, let's just guess at that. And what we did is we came together and we realized that there are so many students around the world that are continually you know, moving and they're crossing culturals, but not all universities, not all international schools, not all high schools are prepared to really accept that and help these students with transitioning. And I know you're, you were a study abroad student yourself, Chris, you probably had great support at your university that said, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be a different culture. And when you got there, they said, welcome, here's this new culture. And so what we do is we work with institutions to help them develop that programming for kind of these more non-traditional style um, study abroad opportunities, or even when a student looks like they might be a domestic student, but they actually need that study abroad support or they need that cultural transition support. So that's what we do. It's lots of fun. It means a lot of traveling, working with um, you know advisors and counselors from across the world, just to make sure we have people support it. Okay, so that that I was, so I was reading about it, and that really sums it up. So you're going, you're not going to London, England, where they're probably already set up for things like that. But for example, I went to I was I studied abroad in Buenos Aires, and the transition for students coming there and setting those schools up is that is that right? Just yes and no. So actually, I worked in London earlier this year. Oh wow! The thing that we forget is that we only often think about students as uh, study abroad or foreign if they need that passport. So uh-huh. what do you do? Let's say, Chris, you have a U.S. passport, correct? Yes. But let's say you were born in Japan and raised in Korea your whole life. Okay. When you go to the United States, do you think that they would give you any orientation support? I Probably not. Right, exactly. But you'd probably need it, right? Because while English might be your mother tongue, I, I wouldn't know, but you might need to understand like how are classes held in the United States? What is insurance and how do I make sure I'm using it properly? Right. There's all of those little things that there's a lot of students that actually fall through the cracks with. So I do help students obviously in places all around the world, but the United States and the UK are actually two markets that also are, you know, are are missing students and not always supporting them the way they need to be supported. So it's really important that everyone kind of steps back and says, are we really helping all the students or just the ones that we know to look for. Ah, so that's perfect. So you, uh, you, uh, you literally probably have an endless amount of places you can go to help set this up. Am I right? I mean, there's always something that can be improved and there's always transitions that need to be bettered. Exactly. Exactly. And And I think that's a really great way to say it because I was just in a meeting a few weeks ago and they're finding that with the new generation of students coming in, international families are able to potentially come along with their students, right? So for a lot of students, you know, you might go to study abroad alone, but what happens when parents come to help with that move in, right? The way you were moved in your first day of class. Exactly. Yes. University makes sure that they're culturally sensitive and appropriate to a culture that might only have one child. And that might be an important part of that culture is making sure that the parents know what their role is and how they can be supportive. So it's a it's an industry that is always evolving. We're always striving to be better. It's why I love education. Right. And I, I didn't say this at the beginning of the interview, but Dr. Morris is actually in the Sudan right now. Yes. So that's that's pretty cool. She's our first international 
I'm in, I'm in the United States, and this is our first global interview. So I had I hope to have much more of these. But thank you for being the the trendsetter here. Happy to help. All right, and as someone so well versed in the area of international education, it, we know that only ten percent of students study abroad. What would you What would you tell someone who's on the bubble about study abroad and and they're just thinking, well, no, I, it's not worth it. Why, why, why should I study abroad? Why, why do you, why, what would you tell a student? What would be your advice? I think a lot of students, when they think of study abroad, they think of, you know, that semester in Europe and they say, well, that's not for me. And what I like to remind students is you can study abroad pretty much anywhere. I tell students, you really don't want to, you know, you can't afford that passport yet. Go to Puerto Rico. you still have an intercultural exchange. You're still getting on that plane. You're still learning in a different language. It, you know, you don't have to go and do what the traditional is. There is somewhere in the world that you've never been where you're going to learn and experience and gain perspective on yourself and the world around you. So I tell those students, yeah, you're right. Maybe you don't need to go to that place that a lot of your classmates or friends are going. But let's try to find the place that has everything that you're interested in and will help you learn more about yourself and the world around you. Yeah, it's, it's, I, th- I, I tell people, and I've written this, it's infinitely more costly not to go as far as the longevity of after you graduate and whether or not you're going to go to graduate school or getting a job. It's more costly to not study abroad than it is, I think, in the long term. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you probably talk about it all the time, but the skills that you can actively cultivate on a study abroad, skills such as learning how to navigate new environments and you know, language skills and just being in a diverse group of people who don't see things the same way you do are valued by so many companies around the world. And I know I meet in my life because I live abroad for a lot of it. Uh, I meet a lot of people who work for corporations or international schools and their stories all started in an educational study abroad too. So It's amazing the doors that will open and the friends that you'll have for the rest of your life because you took this chance to open your experiences and open your life. I know. Yeah. So since, yeah, social media has changed so many things. So it's so nice to be able to go on your, go on your trip and then you meet these people from all walks of life all over the world. And then you've kind of got them and you get to check up with them. and, And that's, that's forever. That's, you've made that connection for the rest of your life. So that's, it's really cool, and it's something that students that don't study abroad don't get to have. So it's perfect. We, were, we just had this conversation. I was meeting with some people uh, from the government, and they were saying about how many um, leaders of foreign countries and the United States, how many just world leaders study abroad, and how important international education is within that that we need to keep promoting this because that's how they're able to go and have these summits and meet with people that are different from them, right? Because they've been there. They've done these international exchanges. You study abroad really does educate the world. Yes. Yeah. Well, well put Dr. Morris. That's a study abroad educates the world. By the way, you can call Uh, me. I forgot to tell you that in the beginning. I'm like, Oh, he keeps. Oh, okay. All right. Well, very well put Hannah. Thank you. Uh, And now could you share with us, Maybe an epic travel story or something that you'd tell at a dinner party? Uh, something I tell at a dinner party, but I very rarely tell a group of students that I'm taking abroad because I might 
disown them if they did this. But when I was studying abroad in the University of Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, my friends and I decided on a whim to go see Victoria Falls, which sounded a lot easier to get to, but it actually included a two-day train, almost being denied a border crossing, having to um, take multiple buses that broke down, um, stay a night in Lusaka. I mean, just everything you could imagine. We were like a confederacy of dunces. We were just, we were not planned at all. And we somehow made it and making it to Victoria Falls, you see this beautiful, natural world, like landmark of the world that is revered by the the local people to that area. Um, I butcher the name if I would say it in its local language, but it really is this gorgeous waterfall. And then of course it was, we hitchhiked on our way back to Lusaka, somehow got another bus, then got a train, almost got kicked off a train again, made it back into Dar es Salaam. And we still joke today that, you know, some of those experiences that we had where we didn't plan it out, you know, Zambia is a very safe country. We really were able to experience the kindness of humans, learn that life actually happens whether or not you're planning it out. And so go out and kind of have fun. Go do some of those crazy things. Please don't do what I did. It was not the smartest. But at the end of the day, it had, it really helped me embrace that the world is nowhere near as scary as people say it is. No, it's not. It's a fallacy that people think, yeah, that's that's another reason why people don't go. But that that story kind of gives uh, the journey is just important as the destination. And had everything gone smoothly, you wouldn't have remembered it as well. So, oh, now, absolutely. Now you've got this story to tell. So it's, it worked out great. Absolutely. And let's just my mom doesn't know the whole story yet. So hi, sorry, uh-huh. mom. <laughs> well, maybe she'll listen to the podcast and she'll she'll get uh, she'll get educated on the story. She'll have some questions. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, moving on. Uh, what what would be a book recommendation that you could give? So I usually give two book recommendations, and they each come from one of my study abroads. The first one was the book Histori- The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova, and it's about traveling through the Middle East and Europe, um, through multiple generations, multiple time periods. And it just, if you love to travel and you love that, you have a sense of adventure, it's a beautiful story to follow. And then while I was living in Dar es Salaam, I read the Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingslover. And that book, it just beautifully depicts the disastrous repercussions of colonialism and when arrogance and prejudice can lead, especially when you're entering a new culture and a new country. So I just really appreciated that book because it helped me remember to be humble and to go into a new country or culture and say, okay, I'm here to learn. What's next? Right. Okay. Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to check those out and I will definitely link them, uh, with the, with the post. And now getting into my favorite part of international travel is, uh, food. What is your favorite dish from abroad that you can remember? And I know that's kind of a loaded question giving, everywhere you've been. So feel free to say more than one. And what's, what do you miss from back home? What's, what's, uh, what do you like when you come back home then? So I've had the pleasure of living and working in Chengdu, China, which is the capital of the Sichuan province. And that, in my opinion, is the culinary capital of China, by far in the way the best of the best food in the world. Um, they, People think of Sichuan and they think only of spicy, but really you need to think flavorful. We joke that 
the food of Sichuan dances on your tongue. You have sweet and salty and sour and everything. And so people might know of like a Kung Pao chicken. This is the real deal. This is real hot pot. Um, and I just, we have a great little restaurant here in Khartoum that I finally found run by people from Chengdu. And I was so excited. So that is what I miss from my travels. And then while I am abroad, I very much miss fruits and vegetables native to North America, such as like the sweet potato, squashes, all of our colorful berries. Um, you just can't, you can't re replace those. They don't travel well. And so that is what I miss on a, whenever I think of it, like now. <laughs> <sighs> I know you just, you take for granted when you're living in these places and you can just walk out and go, go a block away and get something that you miss. My thing, when I did, I studied abroad in Buenos Aires and the empanadas there, that's what they're known for. And I just go out and there's a local shop that sells them. And now it's just, uh, you can't get them anywhere. So it's a little pocket of happiness. I love a good empanada. So you've got to yeah. get down to Florida. We have them in Florida. So, okay. All right. Well, yeah, actually my dad lives in Florida, so I will keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, so, uh, piggybacking off the food, when you walk into a bar, you'll order what? What, what do you, I always what? go for the local bear. Uh, okay. The local beer is what you got to do because one, it's safe to drink. We don't always know if we can save the. Or, or, yeah, sorry. I always ordered a local beer because one, we know it's safe to drink. It is going to be much safer than any water source in a lot of parts of the countries. Um, if you can get it cold, that's even better. And there's just something great about having a nice cold beer, laughing with some stranger, often when you don't even share a language. Um, you know, I also always try to encourage students to not drink too much when they're abroad, especially in a new environment. And the nice thing about a local beer is especially, it's probably going to be on a lower percentage, uh, as long as you're outside of central Europe. Right. Uh, so it's a nice way to stay safe, have a great conversation and still have a refreshing moment. I know it's interesting. The just as with food, but drinking as well, food and drink, how it varies and it's different in every part of the world. So it's, it's not as like, the quality or the quantity, the time that it takes, everything. Oh, absolutely. It, and it, it's, it's actually part of the experience. And you, you morph into that or you kind of, you adapt to the culture when you're there. And then when you leave and you go back home or you go somewhere else, it's completely different all over again. And you've got to go back to what you started with. I always joke that French, the French ruined my palate for wine because now <laughs> I have high, I have such high expectations after living in France. And I was actually just in France last month. And yeah, I, I totally understand because you get used to something that tastes so divine. And when you don't have it anymore, it will always be missed. Right. Okay, good. No, this is, yeah, the last, the last part of this conversation is really kind of, I, I want to go out right now and get something and I don't, I don't know what to get. There's nothing. <laughs> so I'm kind of jealous of you being able to travel all these places. That's Well, you'll awesome. have to book a new flight soon. I know I will. I'm, I'm planning on it actually. So, okay. And finally, what, what, what's a quote you'd like to leave us with? Uh, the background or the wallpaper to my computer is a quote that is attributed to Susan Sontag. Now that I say this, I'm not sure if it's her. I'll have to actually Google that. But it says, I haven't been everywhere, but it's on my list. Oh, that's a lot of places to go too, huh? 
I, I'll keep trying. Honestly, if anyone could get there, it's you. You guys have to, hannamariemorris.com. You've got to see everywhere she's been. So, uh, okay. That is all I have. Is there anything you'd like to add? Or did we no, pretty much cover everything? No, I wonderful that you're starting to highlight how fascinating and accessible study abroad can be. I hope that you keep, you know, finding ways to bring more diverse topics and... I know I have pretty a pretty typical story when you think of study abroad of my background, but I hope to keep listening to your stories and hearing who else is going to be coming along. Right. No. Yeah. The, the study abroad cast. It's really, it's really simple. But I, I, I think I may have told you the first the first time we had this conversation. But there's an infinite amount of blogs, travel blogs, and study people. Rec- recollecting their adventures of study abroad but there's nothing really in the audio format that focuses on it so i'm really excited about the project uh all right i think that does it for us hannah thank you very much for being here you can find more about hannah again at hannahmariemorris.com uh i'm on social media and i'm at studyabroadsmarter.com uh facebook twitter snapchat when i have time instagram so uh thank you very much hannah and we will talk to you soon Sounds good. Have a great day. All right. Thanks.